there is another way in which um, if you're a creator that you can make money and more sustainable money. And that's thinking more like a creator educator than a creator entertainer. Welcome back to Waves, powered by Arcade Studios, a show for marketers, creators, and entrepreneurs who want to stop chasing the tide and start making waves online. We're your hosts, Mike and Mitzi, and today we're joined by Cameron Uganic. Cameron Uganic has 20 years of experience building category-defining brands and products. His career mission is to empower people to create great things online. In leadership roles at Hootsuite and later, his audience-centric approach to marketing drove product to hyper-growth, attracting millions of global users. Cameron now serves as the general manager for The Leap at Thinkific, an independent media brand and platform dedicated to helping content creators transform their knowledge into digital products. The Leap's first product will help creator educators earn money online. And we'll be talking about Cam with Cam about the creator economy and more specifically monetization opportunities for creator educators and the brands who work with them. So Cam, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to finally be on Waves. Yeah, we're excited. It's been a while in the making. I know. As, as soon as we first met, Mitzi and I were like, we got to get Cam on the podcast. Totally. What took so long? I know. It was well, me. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was no. Me. We're no. just finally getting back into it. We've been on <laughs> right, a bit of cool. a hiatus. Let's go. Yeah. So you're you're part of the inaugural like season of this next iteration of waves. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. But Cam, um, you've done a lot. You've accomplished a lot in your career th- so far, and we want to hear a little bit about it. Just set the scene for us. What was it that kind of led you towards where you are now with Thinkific and specifically The Leap? Well, it's a it's a long story because I've just been at it for a long time. So as Mitzi has said, I've been doing this for 20 years uh, and really building digital things since 1996, uh, which sounds weird to even say. So in 1996 was before Google existed. Uh, so I've just seen a lot of different phases of the web and digital technology through my career and had an interesting career, uh, in terms of sort of the first phase was really focused on, uh, agency work. And so I started my own web agency in 1997, uh, and was very naive and really had no idea what I was doing, but, uh, there was so much demand at that time. I was able to be successful. And that took me down to San Francisco, uh, and I worked for a very large agency there working with Microsoft, uh, and then landed in Toronto for a while working on the General Motors account. So just a lot of big brand uh, work at the first start of my first phase of my career. And then for the last 10 years, I've really been focused on SaaS, so software as a service uh, companies. So as Mitzi has said, uh, started with Hootsuite just over 10 years ago. Uh, when sort of content marketing was quite novel and obviously it was a social media management platform. And so uh, the intersection of those two things was uh, very, very new. So we were learning a lot uh, at that stage. Mm -hmm. So tell us, when did you start working in the creator economy? Yeah, so probably before it, well, definitely before it had a label, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretty uh, not not that unique in terms of phases that, of things that happen before it has a name. So I would say, you know, starting with Hootsuite uh, would have been the beginning of the creator economy. Uh, and that really was the first the first phase of the creator economy. So I've been doing it for, for 10 years uh, in terms of selling or uh, producing content that helps creators. Um, so it's been been a decade. Yeah, that is a long time. So you mentioned that you got into it before we knew the name creators or we had defined that. 
Um, but there's been obviously far more evolution than just the name um, and the persona. Can you talk to us about the growth and the changes that you've seen take place in this economy since you started first understanding it, but then participating in it? Yeah, looking back, it it, uh, it seems like there's been three really distinct phases of the creator economy. So that first phase with, and, I, and I've been lucky enough to be working at companies at each of those phases that kind of represents that phase. So the first phase was really around new content formats and distribution channels and people understanding people and brands understanding that. So that was when I was at Hootsuite and that was when social media was just new um, and people were just getting serious about it and being intentional about it and saw it more than just a, some kind of fun play thing. Um, and so that really was companies and, and people trying to figure out how to leverage these new distribution channels, what new content formats worked, um, the power of, uh, these me- this medium when done right. Um, and so that was that first phase. The second phase was really an influencer phase. Uh, and that was, you know, maybe two years ago, uh, was really sort of all the, the rage. And I was working at later at that time. And so later is, uh, it's another social media management platform really focused on uh, on Instagram. And Instagram was a big part of the rise of the influencer. Uh, and so that's like using these new content and formats and distribution of the first phase and figuring out a way to kind of make some money uh, at that. And you see the rise of Kim Kardashian, you see the rise of Glossier. Uh, and so you're starting to see a new way in which people can monetize as well. So one is just by through brand deals, which continues today and is a big business. Um, but then you see, you know, people building audiences that are starting to create products for that audience. And that gets us to the stage that I think we're at now, which is an entrepreneurial phase um, where creators really can become entrepreneurs, solo entrepreneurs. Uh, and there are many different tools and different ways in which people now can monetize. Uh, and if you want to take that to the next level, that that make, means that you become an entrepreneur. Um, so, you know, really looking at multiple revenue streams, um, influencers creating their own brands and products. If you're large enough, the rise of online courses. So Thinkific, you know, the company that I, that I work for now, uh, is really a leader in the space of online courses and, and even just Thinkific, um, our users have sold over a billion, $1 billion worth of courses, um, which I think is a really good, you know, Thinkific is a good representation of this more entrepreneurial phase of the creator economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Those are huge numbers, a mm-hmm. billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Can you, yeah. for our listeners, can you just clarify what kind of numbers we're talking about for the creator economy at large? Yeah, so there's, uh, off the top of my head, I have to remember some of the, the numbers that we have, but there's just a lot of, uh, and and Stripe has a lot of this data, but there are billions of dollars that are being made right now through the creator economy. So a big chunk of that has been what I think people are are kind of that that second phase, that influencer brand deal thing, a lot of money is changing hands, and that's a right. billion-dollar industry. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got the digital product industry, uh, which is another billions of dollars. You've got 40, uh, 44 million creators out there that have 10,000 followers or more. So I think people kind of don't re- – again, you kind of always have this bias towards, well, that's the thing that kids do. You know, that's that's a thing that young people do um, where that's just not the case now. Um, And so, you know, if you have numbers like 44 million people have 10,000 followers or more, that's not someone who's just doing it uh, for fun or for just personal reasons. That's somebody that has a real audience that can um, can figure out a way to to eke sort of some value out of that. Yeah, I wonder what percentage of that 44 million um, people with 10K or more 
have actually monetized their audience? Like, I wonder how many of them are just sitting there. Yeah. So Linktree had a good um, creator report a couple of years ago, and uh, it's shockingly low. So uh, in terms of how many people have truly monetized. And and I think that this is kind of the problem that the Leap, the media property that I'm in charge with, and now the new product that we're trying to solve at Thinkific. So kind of the creator economy's dirty secret is that if you're not in the top 1% of creators in terms of size of audience, there's very few people that are making, you know, a, a, an earning, a full-time earning uh, by doing this. Uh, and there's all kinds of tools that have uh, prop, prop, popped up to help people do do this, but it's hard. And I think one one reason why it's hard is because being an entrepreneur is just hard, as you two know, <laughs> right. you know. Yeah. And so there is a lot of things that you know I would say that we see in terms of where creators get blocked that are just your normal sort of um, fears of uh, of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. um, or sort of an uncertainty block of I just don't know where to get started. There's so many options. Or just a time thing. So there's there's that, right? That's just sort of your basic things that are problems. But I think the real challenge has been that people seem to approach um, being a creator and when it's time to make money in a very conventional way of what they see. And that's through influencers. That's the big influencer. So you look at Mr. Beast uh, and you look at all the other big ones. You go, oh, just replicate what they do. But you can't replicate what they do if you only have a thousand followers. It doesn't work. You can't become a media empire with that kind of size of audience. But there is another way in which um, if you're a creator that you can make money and more sustainable money, and that's thinking more like a creator educator than a creator entertainer. Um, And that's not taking anything away from sort of being a lifestyle creator entertainer. And if you've got it, if you've got the it factor that you're building an audience just out of your own personal stories, your own personality, your own charisma, that's great. But that is like going to Hollywood and saying, I'm going to become a celebrity. Uh, and there's going to be a few, you know, a few people where that's going to work and they're going to make a lot of money. And in the creator economy and world, there probably there is another tier that, yes, if you have 25,000 followers and you serve a general audience, you can make some obviously some money off of brand deals. But for the vast majority of people and if people are really sharing their knowledge, I think this uh, concept of creator educator is a really important one for people to understand as a route to earn some some money uh, mm-hmm. by being creator. Yeah, I think creator educator is such a great um, descriptor. And I wonder if you can unpack it a little bit more for maybe listeners who've never heard that term before. Who is a creator educator and like who qualifies to kind of sit in this category and maybe even benefits of kind of focusing on a creator educator as a persona if there are Mm -hmm. creators out there who kind of feel like they're in that like rat race trying to be a maybe celebrity type influencer to get the brand deals but obviously you know things are changing this creator economy so like who is a creator educator and what are the benefits of of being that yeah so we really the way that we we see things is there's sort of two types of creators one is that creator educator that we talked about that i think is the mental model most people have in their head and that's that influencer that oftentimes they're you know selling off their personality or selling off of their celebrity that they got from somewhere else um or they're just very entertaining and they're great storytellers or they you know like i said they've got the it factor Creator educator, on the other hand, is just someone that is sharing their expertise, skills, or knowledge with their audience, um, that they have skills that they're sharing. And I think that 
one thing that often gets missed, and this is kind of the imposter syndrome that comes in, is saying, well, I'm not the best in the world. Or I'm not the world-renowned expert in this. It's like, there's a lot of power in the fact that if you're just two steps ahead of your audience, you actually are a lot more relatable. You don't have to be the top person in the world on personal finance um, to be able to have a small little audience and give your own personal experiences and your own tips that are very relatable to people to get a very highly engaged audience. Uh, and once you have that, you've got an option of starting to produce digital products uh, as a monetization versus brand deals. And that just gives you a lot more control as a business person if you're producing your own digital products versus being at the whim of algorithms or always being on the content hamster wheel of like, I've got, I got to keep getting this constant follower growth. It's more focused on the um, quality of engagement that you have at that stage. Um, so the the concept of creator educator and, and the definition is quite, quite broad. It's anyone that's sort of sharing their knowledge online uh, and have something to share to sh with their audience. And if, if the, you fall under that category, you know, I would encourage people to really think about themselves like a creator educator and frame their business that way. I feel like you're calling me in cam like, with that <laughs> Im imposter syndrome thing. I, I think that's so real. Like, yeah, I think that's what's hung me up at times with like not getting into that space is feeling like I'm not the best in the world at it, even though I am like, I have a lot of experience and I have a lot of value to offer. And we have been working through that on our side. Spoiler mm -hmm. alert, we're going to be using the Leap product to publish a few mini courses ourselves. But I wanted to see if you could just talk about that a little bit too. Like it, you don't necessarily have to be an individual either. There's an opportunity here for teams and mm -hmm. uh, an agency like ours to get into learning products to bring more stability as well outside of just freelancers. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean that kind of touches on how we've, everything is quite meta in my world, but uh, how we built the Leap Media property itself and how really any brand or any agency um, can really start building their audience uh, and that's by giving and that's by teaching uh, and that's by figuring out what the questions are for your target audience and not talk about what you think uh, they want to talk about or what you want to talk about as an agency. It's really understanding your audience first. And it's an audience first approach of what problems do they have? What questions do they do? They constantly come up for them. And all our content should be just about being the best, best answer for that particular audience in the world uh, and do it in a way that makes sense for them and in their language. That's it. That's that's sort of audience first marketing 101. Um, and any anyone can do that. Um, and, and like I said before, I think a really powerful idea that maybe can help with this imposter syndrome is that concept of being a learner yourself, being a learner educator of like, you're just two steps, you're just two steps ahead. You had this very problem last year. Um, and you had to figure it out. And that's a really powerful way to teach other other people, because if people are a little too far out from where they are in terms of being experts, um, I can't relate to you. You know, you're giving me tips that are for someone that is at a much different, different level. So um, that's one thing that we see in terms of Thinkific uh, course creators that are successful um, are one, they got to break through that imposter syndrome and that perfectionism. You just got to get going like any entrepreneur, just get going and get momentum going your right way. Um, but, uh, but two, that, uh, that they really relate to their audience, you know, that they're telling their own personal stories and, you know, the vast majority of the, the course creators on Thinkific are not the, the world's, uh, renowned experts. Some are, but they're not the, the vast majority are not. Yeah. So I feel like, um, 
you really described a pain point that I have felt with the imposter syndrome piece. I'd be curious if there's more characteristics that you could describe about um, possibly creator entertainers as you dis- as you explained them, or even just like more traditional influencers right now, and um, make the case for why they should consider being becoming a creator educator instead, or even as well as what they're currently doing beyond just it's more it's more stable than brand deals. Yeah, I think part of it is um, control. You know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you want to have control over your destiny and control over what's valuable and the way that the social platforms and I've worked with them for the last 10 years, they're set up for their own priorities uh, and they always have been. Uh, and so, you know, mo- the monetization of the creator is never, has not been a top priority. And you see this with a lot of the creator funds, um, you know, they'll make big press release announcements about millions of dollars, but that really doesn't trickle down to the middle class of creators. Uh, and so I think that uh, control is a big part of that. And so that is as simple as, you know, are you able to have a direct relationship with your audience outside of social platforms or are you at the whim of algorithm changes that the social platform does or blacklisting? Um, and so I think one of the, the powerful things of thinking like a creator educator is to say, if you can provide even a free resource um, for your audience, you can start collecting their emails. If you start collecting their emails, you now have uh, an avenue to talk to them that is independent of Instagram and independent of TikTok or YouTube. Uh, and so now you can have a direct relationship uh, with them. And that's that's really powerful. Um, and then it just comes down to, I think, um, what are, you know, all revenue streams can be good. Um, some are better than others. So if you can have a revenue stream that's based off of your own digital products, uh, the margins are very high for that. Again, you have control. It's your it's your digital product. It's your property. Uh, and you can, as you build sort of trust and that relationship with your audience, you can start charging more and more as you add more value to what they're bringing. Uh, and again, that's a direct relationship and direct income coming in. Um, and so that's just a more powerful way to run a business to be dependent on, like you're dependent on a couple things as things as an entertainer. You're dependent on the algorithm. You're dependent on uh, rotting the content treadmill. You're dependent on the brands and whether the brands are deciding whether this is a good year for brand deals or not and the fickleness of a CMO and and their budgets. Um, and uh, and so you, there's a lot of dependency that you have on other things and other people that you don't have control of. Where from a creator educator standpoint, if you have a thousand engaged fans and you can get $100 a year off those thousand engaged fans by answering their questions, by creating value by creating courses, by creating digital products that help them, that's $100,000. If you can get 200 for those 1,000 fans, that's $200,000 a year. Um, that's a really compelling revenue stream that you're not dependent on anyone else other than you and your own uh, marketing and being able to produce good quality uh, content. So it's just a better sustainable sort of business to run. I'm sure there's creators listening that kind of like feel like they're getting an unlock with you describing it. Um, And we've worked kind of in proximity to the creator uh, economy for a while now. And one thing that you've kind of mentioned a few times here is that creators, and I've seen this too, they don't really see themselves as entrepreneurs or they don't consider themselves as entrepreneurs. But I think Mm -hmm. if we get creators to think about this shift and consider the creator educator route where you can have more control over your business, do you feel like that could help creators have a longer kind of career ahead of them? Because I know 
like we've seen these phases, you've kind of outlined them at the top mm-hmm. of this conversation. Um, and we don't know, like you said, like the whims of the algorithm and how things will evolve. But do you see this as an, a way for creators to have more long-term career? Yeah, I think it's more sustainable in terms of, uh, you know, once you get the, and, and, I'm, and I don't mean to say it's easy. I will not say that it's, it's not easy because you're being an entrepreneur and you're building mm-hmm. your own business and it's not easy. And I think that maybe you know, there's a lot of get rich internet bros out there that kind of make it sound easier than it is. Uh, But if once you do the work and if you really understand your audience and you are providing value to them, there are formats and platforms like Thinkific and The Leap that can help you along the way. Uh, And if you get this right in terms of figuring out what questions they have to answer, figuring out how to build an online course that answers that, you, you do get into this world of passive income that you have. And, and you know, we know some people that have done this and, and they don't have millions of followers. They have, you know, thousands of followers, but they've figured out ways in which they can build courses that generate $100,000 for them when they do a big push. And every month they get a few out of that. And, you know, they do a quick update on that existing course. And in six months they launch it again. And it kind of starts getting into sort of passive income for them. Uh, And so that can be just a a lot more sustainable. I think the other thing I didn't mention is mental health. Um, And that's, you know, that's a big thing. Anyone that's been in this industry for a long time, it's kind of shocking uh, how many people that I know that have been influencers are influencers that really have to take a real break uh, or decide to give it up altogether because of that content treadmill. Um, And and I think part of that is when it when you are a lifestyle creator, uh, your your life and who you are starts to meld into this sort of public persona. Uh, and that becomes really hard for you to keep that up every week, depend, you know, uh, depending on your mood. You know, everyone goes through ups and downs. It's like, well, no, you still have to be that cheerful person that's showing their vacation and their fabulous life. And you're like, well, my life is goes up and down like any other human being. Um, and so that sort of mental health thing, I think we see a lot of people that are successful influencers that it's not sustainable. You can do that for a year. You can do that for two years, but can you Mm -hmm. do that for 10? Uh, where I think a creator educator creating their own digital products, their own courses, uh, their own coaching, their own memberships, their own subscriptions, eventually their own communities, um, is a much more sustainable, uh, career when you view it as an entrepreneur and as a business person. Yeah. I think that's such such valuable insight. And it's so true. I feel like we've even seen in the media and just a bit of a narrative around influencers is that, that idea that you're always on, like you, it, mm-hmm. it's hard to even take a vacation or without mm-hmm. taking your, your camera with you or, uh, or taking your followers with you. Um, but I love the, the kind of like launch and like wine, wind down and completion cycle of, of a course. And I think that's the same reason we did seasons for waves is we, one strategically liked that there was a reason to get people excited and build anticipation for every season, but then also there's a break and you can kind of gather yourself and like try mm-hmm. something new and, and introduce something different. Um, so I feel like that's where, that's where this should go. Like it'll be healthier for people if they can make it more cyclical and actually have room for breaks and stuff like that. Yeah. And focus on evergreen content, you know, mm-hmm. content that is going to be applicable and valuable and useful for, you know, the world changes very quickly. But if you can get something that is is good for a year, that's great. If you get something that's good for fundamental skills and it's good for two years with some updates, that's great. You build it once and you sell it, you know, for those two years. 
Totally. Yeah. So you've mentioned a couple of hesitations. Like one, you said you re- refuse to say it's easy. And I think we can all agree on that, that it takes hard work. You've also mentioned imposter syndrome. Um, are there any other common hesitations that you hear from creators or about creators trying out the the course or the education angle? Yeah, I think that one is it's the way the platforms are built, including Thinkific. It does take time. It takes a level of investment. Uh, and so, you know, I, what I think sometimes what people do is they sort of over engineer their courses uh, and they fall into the sort of perfectionism trap. And that is somewhat related to this imposter syndrome to say, well, I've been giving away my stuff for free for the last year. And that's how I built up the 10,000 followers. And they are very nervous about asking for money at, at totally. any point. Yeah. Uh, and so I really think, and this is something that we're seeing with the Leap product, is like if we can create a product that is not as heavyweight in terms of the effort that it takes for you to create it. It's a smaller, it's a smaller course and that it helps you validate um, some of your ideas before you decide to invest in a large course. There can be a lot of power in that. And and hopefully we can be quite um, prescriptive in a way to help people to kind of break through this perfectionism to say that, you know, I think that there's an opportunity for a new format that takes sort of the success that we saw of online courses, but then matches that with the um, the behaviors that are happening in terms of people's social audiences. So there's this gap that's missing between both the workflow of a creator of like, oh, I create videos all the time. I create content all the time. I create knowledge content all the time. It's like, well, how do we take that of what you're already doing, how you do it, which is on your phone, which is vertical, it's not horizontal, it's not necessarily high production value. You, you know, kind of you shoot it with the lighting that you have um, and apply that to what we've learned to Thinkific in terms of putting some structure around it from a learning outcome perspective uh, and help people through that process very quickly so you can have little courses so they can get started here and they can start validating um, to try to break through that sort of perfectionism idea that I've got to spend months creating this course. Um, and, uh, and I think like, like all entrepreneurs, you know, and, and the fact that I've been in technology for a long time, sort of first time there's a quote from the Twitch CEO, first time entrepreneurs really focus on product and obsess about the product. Second time entrepreneurs focus on the audience and the distribution of that product. And what's great about creator educators or anyone that has an audience on, on social, you have the distribution. That's the hardest part. You've got that first. So that's great. So now let's let's work on a little bit on a product, a small product to validate it, to see, is that what people want? Is that what they like? Put a low price on it, you know, and don't get caught in like this, like planning and thinking and wishing. And, you know, I'll build that course one day or we are building it and it's going to be, you know, a year before we launch it and never think about your audience. And so that's what happens a lot of the times is these great courses get built and they never, you know, they never sell. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into our next question here about audiences. And um, for those who don't know, we've had the pleasure of working together on the leap and helping to build that audience. I wonder if you could dive deeper into that kind of approach, even for anyone who's working, who's listening, who works on the brand marketing side, you know, starting to build that audience first and then creating a product that serves that need. Can you talk to us about that approach? Yeah, so I touched on this a little bit earlier, but, um, you know, I've been doing content marketing since I don't know if there wasn't a word for content marketing uh, when we really started for Hootsuite. I think that's true. Um, HubSpot definitely was doing it and doing it very well, but there's very few companies that were doing it. And 
by doing it for the last decade and, and working with some very talented people at later uh, as well, that I think we did a great job of it there. I've learned some principles that I think all brands can use, all creators can use in terms of building your audience. And the first part is to have that audience centric sort of approach to what you're doing. You define your target audience, but then um, you do some research in terms of what are the questions they're asking. And all that data is out there. You know, that data is in your DMs. What questions do you get asked all the time? Yeah. Those are the questions. That's the content you should create. The That data is in SEO. You know, for my space, do a little research in terms of what's the top searches for my space. And those are the things you need to answer and focus on. And, you know, when I say it, I think people are like, oh, yeah, I know that's what content marketing is. But for most companies, they do it wrong. And most brands do it wrong. They're like, oh, we have our editorial um, strategy, and we know the five thing pillars in what we want to talk about and how that fits for our product. I'm like, that's not, if they don't match exactly with what the problems are of what your audience is, you're doing it wrong. And that's all a waste. So that's one, you know, just truly being audience centric and let the audience um, direct you to where you go and be very transparent and open and have the best content out there around that topic. Even if it means you're going to talk about uh, maybe not your competitors, that might be going too far, but that you are going to have an honest sort of discussion and content around where your space is at um, because people can read through bullshit um, right away and they want all the information. And so you, if you provide that, um, you're going to provide a lot of value. Um, the other thing is that you need to go in sort of stages. Um, and so I'm a big believer in focusing on one channel, doing that really well, um, refining it, um, getting it to a place where you're like, okay, I think we figured it out. And then we move to the next channel. So working with, uh, with you and, uh, the great team at arcade, this is what we did at the leap. We started with short form video. Uh, we started with TikTok and really focused on TikTok and did kind of Instagram on the side. Once TikTok was going at a good, good stage and we have almost 75,000 followers on TikTok. So we're really proud of our account there. Uh, we move over to Instagram. We make that work. Once we've got short form video going, we layer in the newsletter. Okay, now let's make the newsletter work. Once the newsletter is working, let's think about other resources and tools that people can use. And we produce those. Once you get that, let's work up on education. And as you're doing this, you're getting better at each channel. There's a relationship between each channel. So they're building off of each other. But the most important thing you're doing is you're building trust and relationship with that audience along the way. You're giving them more and you're giving them different ways in which they can uh, participate with you. And ultimately that gets into community. Uh, and and building an actual community. So now there's more of a two-way dialogue between this audience. Um, and so when you're ready to launch a product, you've got a built-in audience. You've got a built-in trusted relationship. Um, you've got a history with most of them of like, yeah, you guys produce, you've solved my problems. Um, and so it's just a really powerful way in which you can have uh, a relatively low um, customer acquisition cost. Yeah, it's been Really cool to watch it all take place and participate in it, of course. Um, one thing that you mentioned in our earlier conversation with um, even just like comparing mini courses to like bigger, larger courses and really polishing your product was the ability to validate. Um, mm -hmm. And you've kind of implied it with what you've been talking about with 
building the leap as well. As you build that audience and build a relationship with them and understand their needs, obviously being able to validate what other kinds of resources you can um, create and deliver to them. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the process of validation? Um, what are you looking for? What kind of questions are you asking? And how can creators or even mm-hmm. agencies validate properly? Yeah, so it's really following the the lean process in terms of how you develop products. Uh, and there probably is a, a course I could create in terms of you know having a lean approach to audience creation. Um, but it's you know that's that simple idea that you're going to ship um, a lot and you're going to ship quickly. And then you're going to pay attention to what happens to that piece of content. What's the reaction to that piece of content? That's after you've done the research that I've talked about of like, I think I've got the questions right. Uh, But it's really important that you're paying attention to the metrics and what you're hearing qualitatively as well from your audience say, oh, that's what they really love. Oh, that one didn't work. And then you change um, and you change to a point of, even being okay with cutting some things. You know, we've we've experimented with things that we have to be okay with saying, it's just not working the way we thought it was going to work. And we've got to just be okay to cut this and try the next thing. So it's this idea of constantly sort of listening and looking at the data and then shifting and, iter- and uh, iterating on what you've learned. Um, and, uh, and that sort of is the, the flow. And that, you know, if you, if you follow, write a, read a blog post on sort of the lean process for for product development, it's the same. It's the same concept. Yeah, I'm definitely going to read a blog post, and I would buy your course if you if you made a course about it. I was going to say the same thing. Please sure. make a course. <laughs> yeah, as soon as possible. Okay. All right, I'll start with a leap course. Yeah, Beautiful. exactly. We can add it to the show notes. Um, <laughs> Cam, we're getting to the end of our conversation here, but one question we always like to ask on the show is, who is making waves right now, and why? Well, I think that that answer has, I mean, one is short form video would be my answer last year, but I'm still amazed at how many brands, and I know you have a lot of audiences that are in in, in different companies that aren't really investing in it and doing it properly. So I still have to have the same answer, I guess. Um, you look at the growth that we had with the Leap, um, with TikTok, and that's all within a year, um, that we have driven millions, millions of video views um and uh, and we've gotten to set 75,000 followers all within a year. I don't you couldn't do that. I mean, you just can't do that in any other uh social platform um that I know of and if anyone knows of a new one that I can do it and I I'll do that too. Um but that's my answer for last year. I, this year it has to be AI tools uh in terms of the waves and there's, you know, there's a few that are specific for marketers. Jasper AI I think is the big one. Descript for video is really interesting in what you can do there. There's a local Vancouver company, I'm based in Vancouver, called Durable.co, and uh, they're for solopreneurs and helps you build a website within minutes, seconds maybe even. Um, and uh, and so and then just ChatGPT itself. You know, I really encourage marketers and social media people. They need to understand it and they need to be playing in it um, and not to. Not from a perspective of, you know, the end, the end result, um, because you're going to get, you know, not the best results that way, but as a means to an end and start thinking about um, AI as uh, an employee, as one of your employees, as, as another extension of you that can help you get your jobs done quickly. Because what will be interesting, that what will happen here, and we don't really know the answer yet, is how far up the value chain AI is going to sort of take over. So... One is, you know, there's all kinds of tools now to help you write your captions for social. And there are tools that will help you schedule your social. Well, we'll in two years from now, we'll get to a place if you're a small company, really 
the AI is your social media manager um, and does most of it. You know, will they take out Hootsuite or, or later in terms of you don't really need those tools anymore? Like you just don't know where it's going to end up. Um, and so you always need to be really focused if you're, you know, sort of early in your career of where do you add the most value and then using the tools to to make that happen uh, and being very open to those tools and don't feel threatened by those tools because um, they're coming. You won't be able to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. Um, something we're trying to adopt into our workflows, too. Um, OK, final question for you, Cam. Where can listeners connect with you? So uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a plug to The Leap. So uh, in terms of if you are a creator and you want help and tips and advice to how to earn money and monetize, if you're interested in The Leap uh, product, as we talked about, you know, a product to help you create digital products quickly, um, go to theleap.co, go to TikTok, go to Instagram, search The Leap and follow us there. Lots of great stuff. The team at Arcade and my team produce great work all the time. Um, that helps people. We're just obsessed with helping creators earn money. So that's the leap. Uh, in terms of reaching me, I think Twitter probably is the right place at Cameron U. So at Cameron and the letter U. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, but I ask that you've got to write a personal sort of why um, I get a lot of, and I don't even know how to deal with LinkedIn anymore. Maybe you guys have advice. Uh, you know, am I accepting all? Am I just accept? I'm not accepting just people that know me. Um, so I've always kind of go in waves with that, but uh, if (laughs) you think there's a specific reason we should be connected on LinkedIn and you write a specific reason why there's a good chance I'll, uh, I'll connect with you. Love it. Love it. Well, Cam, thanks for taking the time to be on the show, share your expertise. This is definitely a unique angle that we haven't touched on before. So I know it's going to be valuable for our listeners. Great. It was a pleasure. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning into waves. If you enjoyed this episode, you can hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to follow along on social at Hello Arcade, and we'll see you next time.